2: Welcome to the Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Idol, your Smart Moves coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked. Let's start with a Smart Moves tip. Hiring the wrong person for the job is like asking a rabbit to swim. Rabbits may swim for a short stint, but eventually they will struggle, get frustrated, and eventually sink. That is exactly what happens when we hire people for positions that are not good fits. They will eat up your time and energy and can weaken an entire team. It's a lot easier to hire rabbits to run and fish to swim. To help us do just that, hire the right person for the job, is my guest, Tony Beshara, owner and president of Babbage & Associates. He has been finding great employees for companies since 1973. That's more than 9,200 jobs. Wow. He says, next to making a profit, the most challenging activity business owners and managers are responsible for is to hire great talent. Most think that because they are good at accounting, or engineering, or sales, or whatever their discipline, they know how to make a great hire. Unfortunately, many don't. So, here are 10 big mistakes employers make in recruiting and interviewing potential employees. Welcome, Tony. It's a ah. pleasure to have you here.
3: Well, it's really a pleasure to be here, Marsha. I've looked forward to it for quite some time.
2: Well, I'm going to start with a quote from Jack Welsh, former CEO of General Electric. And he says in a very simple sentence, all we can do is bet on the people we pick. So my whole job is picking the right people. And I think most employers and hiring managers want to pick the right people. They don't strive to pick the wrong people, but they make mistakes, and the mistakes get them into trouble. So, Tony, let's start with the first mistake they make, and you 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 talk about that not having a clear idea of what they are looking for that everyone understands. Talk about that a bit.
3: Yeah, they. I'm amazed. I've been doing this since 1973, and I've. Talk to more than 23,000 hiring managers in that period of time about their personnel needs. And I'm amazed many times that people don't have a clear idea of exactly what they want to hire from a, uh, from a, uh, a skills point of view and then of course a personality point of view. Mm-hmm. And they start out saying, well, I need 8 to 10 years of experience or something like that. Well, does that mean 5 years or 6 years of experience won't do? Does that mean that 12 years of experience? I mean, how much experience is experience? Instead of getting down to the real specific, these are the duties and responsibilities that the person's going to do on a daily basis and describing in detail the functions that they're looking for, uh, they they come up with this broad stuff of, well, and then they don't define really well the kinds of personalities that are going to fit their organization. Forty uh, percent of a hiring situation comes down to personality. Do I like mm-hmm. a person? How are they going to fit into my organization and that kind of thing? And that becomes often... A subconscious kind of thing. And instead of writing down and thinking about, okay, what kind of personalities fit our organizations? Uh What would do best? People don't, they don't think about it. And they say things to us, even professional recruiters. They'll say things like, well, I'll just know it when I see it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Ah, Yeah, right. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the first step towards a big mistake. So, Defining exactly what you're looking for from a functional point of view, not necessarily a particular amount of experience, but from a functional point of view, being able to objectively measure that, and then some idea of what kind of personality fits in.
2: Well, you know, you've—that um, that is so... Uh you're right on because it's both the skills and the personality and the and the fit within the company and i have seen many top level executives who are very skilled uh, but what gets them in trouble is their fit, the cultural fit, and their personality fit. And I think the other thing that's important, and you've talked about in your article, is that you're, you're also looking for the potential within the uh, possible candidate. Not that they have everything you want, but do they have the potential to grow. Is that correct?
3: Yes. If, uh, you know, we tell our clients all the time, if you can get... 70% of the amount of experience or background you'd ideally like, that's about as good as you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always going to be 30% margin of of uh, potential. and And the way you measure that in a candidate is see what kinds of things the candidate has done in the past. Not necessarily that relate to what you do, but the kind of thing they've done where they've Learn something, or where they've grown, or what kind of obstacles they've overcome. I mean, we're going to get into it, but you know, the the uh, part of the challenge is really interviewing well, so that you can get that kind of information. And so many times, people get wrapped up in uh, in a person's personality, and then mm-hmm. they never really find out. Well, can they really do the job? So there's a real healthy balance there and recognizing that uh, much of what I'm going to hire is potential. And the potential may not show up for mm-hmm. six months, maybe a year, and I have to be good at finding that and, and being able to assess it.
2: Well, let's move on to the second uh, mistake, which is having an unrealistic idea of what kind of candidate might be available and the money that it may take to hire them.
3: Boy, and it's so true in this market. Uh, there are 7.5 million business establishments in the United States, and everybody that owns one or runs one thinks, well, everybody would like to come to work here, and there are 23 million people that are looking for work, so this ought to be really easy. And then when they get out in the marketplace and they find the kind of, they find out that the kind of skills they're looking for and based on the money they want to pay and all of that is totally different than what they had in their head, and they dream this stuff up. they think, well, we ought to get somebody that has an s on their chest and has his cape and we they'd surely love to come to work here, and we also want them to bench press five hundred talent uh, five hundred pounds ten times in the interview to make sure they 're strong so uh, it it 's very unrealistic, and we tell our clients give us a good idea about what you'd like to look for, what you'd like to find in a candidate, and then we're going to show you a whole range of people from the the lowest end of of what you would um uh of what you might be able to use to the highest end, and then you can get an idea of what is available out there and then what it's going to cost you. Because a lot of times what our clients will do is they say, you know, we want we want Superman or Superwoman and we want all of this, <laughs> half of which doesn't exist. And then, oh, by the way, we want to start out at, at uh, an amount of money that's not much better than entry level but uh, because there's a lot of potential here in our company and that just isn't going to
1: work.
2: And so what you're saying is know your market. Know what the yeah. marketplaces uh, and the kind of, of employer you want and how competitive you are Uh, versus all the other companies who are going after this top talent. So I think that's a really good point. Um, Let's move on to the third mistake, which is too many people involved in the interviewing process and the wrong ones. Just an aside, I've had uh, job seekers tell me that they've been interviewed um, a panel interview, and they're like seven people shooting yeah. questions at them. Right. Uh, is that something you advocate or not advocate?
3: Oh that? no! <laughs> but let me explain. The why is really important. Whenever we whenever we run into a recession, and I've seen six of them, whenever you run into a recession, companies are uh, they operate just as much out of fear of loss than they do vision of gain, and I understand. When you're worried about making a profit next month or next quarter uh, and you absolutely have to hire somebody, you're afraid of making a mistake. And we all remember the, the mistakes we make when we hire. They're, they're very prominent in our memory. And so when we're having a tough time business-wise and then we're also having uh, 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 looking at hiring people We have a tendency to want to be extra, extra careful. And so we think, well, if we, if we get nine people involved in the interview, and we hear this all the time, we're going to have eight people, nine people, we're going to, because we don't want to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have all these people involved in it thinking that the more people we have involved in the interviewing process, the less likely we are to make a mistake. And the truth is, the more likely you are to make a mistake. Whenever you get beyond three people in the interviewing process, you run a risk of hiring a candidate that is politically safe. And it winds up becoming more and more complicated. And so companies, because they don't want to make a mistake, think, well, if we have more people interview them and we put them through a lot of paces of interviewing and seven or eight or nine people interview them, We certainly won't make a mistake that way. And they think because they've got all these people involved that they make a better hire and they don't. And now I'm, you know, I oftentimes feel like I'm a symbol in the breeze, but uh, I've, what I've learned, you get more than three people involved in the interviewing process, you're creating a, a, a storm for yourself. And, but people do it. And usually in those eight or nine people that they've got interviewing, half of them don't have anything to do with the job. Uh,
2: And I I understand that. And, you know, we're going to take a break in in about 30 seconds. So you said the wrong ones. Give me an example of the wrong kinds of people within the next 30 seconds.
3: Here it is. If, If the person doing the interviewing's livelihood doesn't depend on that person's performance, get them out of the interviewing process. So... If, if I go to hire you, I want you to have a responsibility for my paycheck. If you're not, if the job isn't responsible, help responsible for my che- paycheck, I shouldn't be in the damn interviewing process. Get me out of there and only put people in there whose livelihood depends on your performance.
2: Well, uh, let's end on that note, and I think you talked about having the people who have skin in the position yes. who are going to be responsible for that for that person. So it is time for a short break. This is Marcia Zidle, your Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to the Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's Business Channel. When we return, my guest Tony Basera will um will. Tell us more about insights and good practices in hiring. Stay tuned.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
0: self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics
1: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
2: Uh, The Smart Moves Coach, and I am interviewing Tony Beshera. And we are talking about the 10 big mistakes employers make in recruiting and interviewing potential employees. In other words, how to get the right people for the right positions. And we've gone through the first three. And let's start with uh, number four. One of the, the fourth mistake you say is the process takes too long. And I can tell you, uh, from uh, talking with job seekers, it takes too long. Why is that? And what can they do about it?
3: Well, it uh, it comes about, but well, that's a great question. I, you know, so it takes too long. So what do you do? Um, most employers think that, eh, you know, I need to hire somebody. It's going to take me maybe 35, 40, maybe, you know, maybe uh, 35, 40 days. It shouldn't be hard to do. The average time it takes is somewhere around 120 days because, They never think about what might happen on the other side of the desk, how long is it going to take to find quality candidates, and then because they've stacked themselves up with all these people that need to do the interviewing, they don't realize that sometimes those people are out of town, on vacation, can't do it. So the interview process goes on and on and on and on, and the longer it goes, the harder it is to find a really good candidate, because especially in today's market, you got to think that if you find a really good candidate you like, there's going to be three other people that are going to like them too. So find out when your drop dead date is of when you have to get somebody hired and make interviewing a high focus. Only have three people involved in the in the interviewing process, and I know people say. Well, but a lot of other people get involved in it. No, no, no. They may, and they may be affected by it, but don't have more than three, and have all of those people on board about when they can interview, how fast this needs to be filled, and make sure you have two or three candidates because the longer you drag it on, the more likely you are to lose really good candidates. And a year and a half ago, even a, you know, um, even a year ago, You could take a long time because there were a lot of candidates available. Now they're not. And lots of people want the same candidate you do. So the longer you drag it on, the less likely you are to be able to fill the, fill the opportunity. And I mean, we, we, we must preach that four or five times a day to our clients. Please don't drag it on. And every day we get somebody disappointed in a candidate Mm -hmm. or in themselves. Because they dragged it on so long, they lost the candidate.
2: Well, you know, you talked about interviewing, and that is a very, very important part of, of finding the right candidate and, and hiring the right candidate. So, you know, I, I know there are three of your ten uh, mistakes has to do with interviewing. So let's start with um, the first mistake, poor interviewing techniques. Uh, talk, tell me about that.
3: Yeah, this is. Uh, I I could almost make this number one. Um, you mentioned one of my quotes that people think because they've, you know, because they're good accountants or good engineers or good salespeople, they also how to interview, and uh, you know, it's like anybody that's married thinks that they're a uh, I, I, uh, uh, an expert on marriage and they, they're they not, uh, and the, most people don't even know where to begin. Uh, I, I recommend, and I'll, I offer it to your listeners, I have a uh, 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 an outline of what I call a structured interview, mm-hmm. so that you, uh, it's a whole series of questions that get right to the meat of what have you done, how have you done it, so that, the interviewer understands it and makes really good notes about it, so they can remember the candidate they interviewed three or four or five weeks ago. And and that's where uh, that's where it really makes a big difference. Most people start out interviewing with stupid stuff like "Tell me about yourself." Yes, yes, and then. They interview a candidate, the candidate goes off, they think that they got all the information, and then they look back on the interview and they don't remember squat of what they discussed, so then they think, well, that candidate must not have been very good. I don't really remember what they did. And I've seen hundreds of excellent candidates passed up, not because they weren't good candidates, but because the person that was doing the interviewing did a terrible job of it.
2: Well, you know, the structured uh discipline, uh discipline interview techniques, I would imagine it includes both specific questions that you ask every candidate um and that you take good notes. Yes. Um any other additional um, tips um, in terms of the, uh, of the interviewing techniques before yeah. we move on?
3: Yeah, what's so important about that, and anybody that wants to can either email you or email me. It's Tony at Babich.com, B-A-B-I-C-H.com. I'll send them this. It's a whole series of questions that are very, very, very quantifiable, documentable questions that that force the candidate to talk about specific things, measurable things that they have done so that, and it forces the hiring authority to take, or the interviewing authority, to take really, really, really good notes, Mm -hmm. okay, so that you can compare those people to other people down the line. Because the worst thing to happen is for you to interview what you think is a reasonable candidate and three or four weeks later, you're trying to remember and compare that candidate with a candidate you interviewed today, and you didn't ask everybody the same questions, and that's what it forces you to do. You didn't take really good notes, and you're trying to compare them based on memory, and that's that's where you run into trouble.
2: Okay, so moving on to mistake number six, still focused on interviewing. Um, and you talk about the problem with uh, interviewing or not interviewing a candidate based on the resume. What's the problem with, with uh, uh, a person's resume? Um, well,
3: not, there's not a problem with it, but we have a tendency to confuse the quality of a resume or what we think is a quality resume with the quality of, with the, quality of the person. And although they have to be somewhat related, they're not. I've seen some absolutely phenomenal employees that weren't very good resume writers. We're not hiring a resume writer. We're hiring whatever we need to hire. So, uh, now I'm not saying don't go by the resume, but, you know, I, and now I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I've had people say, well, he can't be a good accountant or a good engineer or a good salesperson. He's got misspellings in his resume. Well, okay. Maybe he's not a real good writer. Maybe he didn't use spell check like he should have. But that really doesn't have anything to do with him being an accountant or an engineer or a good salesperson. Now, I know people will come back and say, well, if he's a good salesperson or a good engineer, he ought to know to use spell check or he ought to know not to have. Okay, I, you know, if you want to argue that, fine. You know, you want to argue about the bits and bytes, you can do that. But I don't think it's wise to go by that. Now, you want to use it, but don't eliminate or necessarily include a candidate uh, for being a professional based on just their resume. Interview them, for goodness sake.
2: And I think you also mentioned that maybe just pick up the phone and spend 15 or 20 minutes before you make that decision uh, to bring that person in for a, a, long, a longer interview.
3: Um, sure, if you want to qualify them. And you're Mm -hmm. concerned about them, you know, maybe you have questions. Sometimes you could look at a resume and go, whoa, I mean, this is perfect. This is exactly what I was looking for. But most of the time that's not true. Uh, resumes are are strictly that. They are just resumes. Uh, so pick up the phone. Give give somebody a call. Tell them, I'm going to spend 15, 20 minutes with you here and uh, I'd like to know a few things and then see what your thought is after you've reviewed the resume with them over the phone
2: so you're, you're you know i think you're also looking for the possibility. Would this person be a good candidate for the position? Not so much that they have every exact qualification, but is this someone I want to bring bring back and have other people interview them? And I think that's a great idea about the phone interview. Let's go to number seven, which is not interviewing enough candidates or interviewing too many. In other words, managers err on too few or too many. So quickly talk about that.
3: We have clients all the time that say, well, send us your three best candidates. That's like saying, I want to get married, so send me the three best women you know. (laughs) Well, wow, what's with that? I mean, you know, best? What's best? I don't know what's best. Forty percent of a hiring situation is personality. And you can't judge a personality until you have actually interviewed them so take that into account don't set limits about i only want to see three candidates three best best is relative best depends upon what you think uh we placed a candidate the other day that didn't have anywhere near the amount of experience that the employer wanted to hire but boy the kid just had a lot of fire in his belly and a great attitude and a tremendous track record, and the kind of thing that he had been doing, and had the employer not listened to us about seeing a quality candidate, regardless of the amount of experience, he wouldn't have had exposure to the to the individual. On the so, other side of that, go ahead.
2: Yes, and can you hold that thought for a sure, second? Sure, you bet. Because I think what you're saying is the mistake is either too many or too few, and it's going to be up to the uh, the, the, what the marketplace is how do you determine that amount it could be the marketplace it could be uh, the position some positions you might uh, need to, to to look at 10 others maybe 5 so you know we'll come back to that after our break uh, this is Marcia Idol your smart moves coach and when we return Tony Becerra will give us more insights into what I call smart hiring stay tuned
1: There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different, to get the business edge? Bring Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marcia at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners. Uh, My guest is Tony Beshara, and he has uh, given us seven of the top ten big mistakes employers make in recruiting and interviewing potential employees. In other words, how to hire rabbits to run and fish to swim. So, So, let's move on to number eight. And... um. This is the one that I really um, think, think is so important, and and it's the mistake is not communicating with candidates after interviews and not giving honest feedback. I have personally worked with job seekers, had family who have been job seekers, and it's not so much that they got rejected, it's they don't know why. And and I understand there are legal issues around this, but there's also the courtesy and the respect for the person to at least let them know they didn't get the position. Can you talk about that
3: a yeah, bit more? And and I would remind hiring authorities that what goes around comes around. And that, you know, somewhere down the line you might be interviewing that candidate or that candidate might be interviewing you. Uh I can't tell you it doesn't happen. A lot, but probably seven or eight times in the past five, six years, I've had hiring authorities, when I went to present a particular candidate, say things like, nah, Tony, I'm not going to interview that guy. That SOB, he he uh, interviewed me for a job about four or five or six or whatever years ago, and you know, I never heard from the guy. He told me I was a great candidate. I didn't hear poop from him, not squat. So I don't care how good he is. I remember that, and he can go pound salt. Uh, Now, that doesn't happen very often, but it happens enough. Here's why it happens, and if you've been a job seeker, you need to realize this. But as a hiring authority, you need to, too. When you're interviewing candidates, you're going to tell them that the highest priority I've got is to hire somebody. Now, you and I both know that that might be the highest priority you've got, the moment that you say that, but as soon as the candidate leaves, that priority becomes number seven, eight, nine I mean just it can it can go up and down during the day, I mean during the week, during the month, whatever, so we like we want everybody to feel good about us, so we have a tendency to say, oh we'll get back to you or that kind of thing, and then the job goes away, or you get fired i've had that happen a lot you know where the hiring authority said that you know, that, that you did real well and then poof, he was gone in three days. I mean, lots of things can happen. And so uh, we have a tendency to tell a candidate we'll be back in touch with them, and then everybody goes silent. I'm not giving an excuse for it. I am saying that's not a real good way. to. The best way to end an interview is to say, look, we're interviewing quite a number of people. If we are interested, we will call you back. But thanks for your time. That's all you need to do.
2: Um, would you advocate some kind of system where they at least get an email from? Yeah,
3: it would be nice if you could do that, and it would be nice if your company could do that. Uh, we've chosen another candidate, but thanks for your, um, you know, uh, and and remember when you were a candidate, how frustrating it was to be interviewed for a position. And then everybody just goes silent. Poof, you know they they don't get back to you. They don't tell you anything. What's even worse is when they say, "Oh, you're a great candidate." Oh gosh, we want to have you back. Oh my goodness, everybody here is gonna love you. And then poof, silence, nothing, nada, you know. And the poor candidate sitting there going, "But but but you said you love me. What are you talking about?" And they never called me back. Well, that kind of thing is to be expected. So. Set expectations with the candidate. We're only going to get back in touch with the people we're interested in pursuing. But thanks for coming by, or you know, or something along that line.
2: I also think that with social media now, that a poor uh, an ex, uh, candidate who has had a poor experience with the company years ago, they just accept it. But with social media now, they get on on uh, Facebook on wh- wherever. Um, and they will uh, uh, put down a, a company talk about their experience and then this goes out and so from the not only for the respect for the candidate but for the company and the company's reputation I would right. think it's important that you have a good process to um, to let candidates know
3: yeah it, it's just it's courteous and remember you're gonna I don't know who it was. It might have been Jack Welsh It said, you know, the, the people you see going up the ladder are the same folks you're going to see coming down the ladder and, and and treat them really nicely and treat others the way you would want to be treated. It's not hard to do, but, uh, you know, it, you get busy and you get tied up and, you mm-hmm. know, and that kind of thing. You don't necessarily have to call every candidate and tell them, hey, we didn't choose you because you're ugly. You don't have to do that. You don't have to necessarily call them, but it's courteous to say we've chosen other candidates that we think fit our mold better or fit our opportunity better or whatever.
2: Right. Okay, now let's move to number nine, uh, which astounds me, which is not selling the job and the company. Um, Why? I mean, tell me about that.
3: People have a tendency to think that because the candidate is the one that's looking for a job, mm-hmm. that they don't need to sell their job. So you know, you need a job. I got one. You know, and and this is a one-way street. My way or the highway. And especially in this coming market, you the same candidate you want, five other people want too.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
3: you mm-hmm. best sell your company. You best be be proactive about saying here's what we do, here's why it's good to come to work here. You want every candidate to leave your office liking your job and wanting your job and liking your company. That doesn't mean you have to spend 3 hours of your time doing it. Just remember, candidates have choices and they want to have real good reasons of why they ought to go to work for you, including you your management style, what you do there, not just the money they can earn, but all of those kind of things, and sell your job, sell your company.
2: So how can they, you know, can, can you give specifics on oh, sure. uh, about, because many managers see, see this as selling and they're not, they're not salespeople. What would be some yeah, things well, they, they, they can better, do?
3: They better be good enough to be able to say, this is our company. This is why people come to work here. This is why people love working here. This is why I'm here. You know, that's a great question for a candidate. Why are you here? Why do Mm -hmm. you stay? Mm -hmm. And remember Mm -hmm. that candidates are comparing your company with a boatload of other companies that they're interviewing with, and you give them, you know, features, advantages, and benefits about what you can do for them, about what your company can do for them, that other other companies can't. And, and give them really good reasons why they ought to go to work there. It don't have to be a hundred of them, but four or five real good reasons why people go to work there, why they like it there, makes all the difference in the world to a candidate. Remember, this should be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Same candidate you want, everybody else wants too.
2: Well, now we're moving to number 10. And you have a 10A and a 10B. So let's get to 10A first. Not having a backup candidate.
3: What? Man, I'm telling you, I preach this, and sometimes I think I'm talking to the wall. I, you know, I tell my employers, look, we got to have three good, solid candidates. It happened this morning. Client called up and says, oh, my God, I went to offer your candidate a job, and he took one already. Was it your client? I said, yeah. He said, well, well what happened? I said, I told you a week ago. That we need to get three or four other candidates in the queue because this kid's close to another deal. Well, I didn't know he'd move that fast. Well, I told you he was going to move really fast. In fact, he was going to get three offers. And so then the now I've got to start all over. I said you, if we'd have done it, you know, it's like people coming to a doctor and the doctor says, you know, I think you ought to take this pill or that pill, or you ought to go on a diet, or you ought to do this. And they go, no, 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 I know how to do this. I'm going to do it my way. So now we're starting all over, whereas if he'd have had backup candidates, had two or three people in line, that if the first candidate, for one reason or another, didn't do the job, they had others that they could pursue. So make sure that when you're interviewing, have three or four people in the queue and keep interviewing until you do have three or four people in the queue. You could be offering a candidate a job this afternoon and start and still do an initial interview um interview uh this morning now i know employers say well i got better things i gotta run a business yeah give me a break you're telling me that next to making a profit the most important thing you can do is hire act like it will you act like it's a high priority make sure you've got three or four really solid candidates
2: well, now let's move to the next, and we just have a, a, a couple of minutes. Okay. And, and, you know, at first when I read this, I said, really? And, and, and the, uh, the mistake is not firing a new hire when the hiring is obviously a mistake. And you talk about being, you know, rookie mistakes versus major mistakes. Um, does this happen that, that oh, mistakes yeah. are made? And then what oh, do you God. do about it?
3: Yeah, probably 30% of the time you make a mistake, no matter how scientific your interviewing process is, no matter what kind of tests you do. You, you can't, you can't test somebody's heart, you can't test their work ethic, you can't test any of that stuff, and to a certain extent you're buying a pig in a poke. And the, the tenth biggest mistake people make is they don't fire their mistakes when they first get the inkling. I talked to an employer this morning. He said, well, we let your candidate go nine months after we hired, and we knew in the first 60 days it was a mistake. I said, did you just hear what you, told you, what you told me? Well, yeah, but we wanted to give him a chance. A chance? Nine months later? Come on. Now, he was the best qualified candidate you interviewed, but if you knew in the first 60 days, you should have done it then, because now you've got a mess on your hands, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, we dealt with a hiring authority about the, one of the first guys I ever worked with 39 years ago, and his attitude was, Hire, fire them when you first get the inkling. When you first get the inkling that you've made a mistake, let them go. Now, I know that's hard to do because we'd like to think, well, I don't make mistakes hiring. We all make mistakes hiring. The biggest mistake is to not get rid of your mistakes as soon as you know that it's a mistake.
2: Well, you know, um, uh, we've gone through the 10, and I know you're going to come back after the break uh, to tell people how to contact you, but I'm going to end this segment with a quote from Jim Collins, who is the author of Good to Great. and and The quote is, The old adage, people are your most important asset is wrong. People are not your most important asset. The right people are. And that's what Tony Beshara has been talking to us about, how to hire the right people um, and to avoid the 10 mistakes that he outlined. So let's take a quick break now, and Tony will be back to tell you about how to contact him and the resources for you. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Marsha Zaddle, your Smart Moves coach, and I have been talking with Tony Bashera as he has informed us about the 10 big mistakes employers make in recruiting and interviewing potential employees. It's been a terrific interview, and now, Tony, uh, tell the uh, listeners how they can contact you and what resources you have available.
3: Sure, and thank you very much. First of all, I want to thank you for having me, it's been an absolute joy and a lot of fun the questions were really great and i i hope we've been uh uh, uh it's profitable to your listeners uh, it's one of those little things that if you just do the right way can make all the difference in your, the quality of your company and the people that work there and things like that um, i can be found at www.tonybashera.com uh uh my uh blog and Uh, my um uh uh, website that's my personal website uh if you're here in the dallas fort worth area we are obviously an employment agency here in the dallas fort worth area helping local organizations uh find good candidates and and also 40 percent of our hiring authorities eventually become candidates of ours so we'll certainly do that and you can find us there at babich.com b-a-b-i-c-h.com and then my youtube channel is um YouTube slash and I have some real interesting videos there on on interviewing both candidates and employers, and then uh, we've got three books out: the Job Search Solution, Acing the Interview, and Unbeatable Resumes. Fourth book coming out in the winter of this year on um, particular um, uh, what I call lip loads or uh, or uh, particular phrases that could be used in the job search. And and on our website of Babich and Associates, we have quite a number of white papers that give advice in the interviewing and hiring process, one of which is what we discussed here, the uh, top ten mistakes people make in interviewing and hiring. And then, of course, people can always give me a call at 214-823-9999 or uh, at com. Or no, I get Tony at Babbage.com. That's the best email to get hey. me
2: at. Well, thank you so much, Tony, and I'm sure the listeners have learned so much.
3: It was a pleasure, and I'd love to do it again.
1: It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth.
2: Listeners, Are you spending your time on the right people? If you had a bad apple on your team, is it better to try and salvage the person or just get rid of that person? How much time should I spend with that person? I was asked that by a department head at a leadership workshop who was frustrated with a staff person dragging her feet and getting things done and therefore dragging the team down. I've coached several managers who truly believe it's their job to try to save everyone, spending an enormous amount of time with poor or marginal performers to make them better. But is that wise? Not according to a very effective CEO of a healthcare company. She said, the top commodity a manager has is his or her time. And if you waste too much of it on a lost cause, you're turning yourself into overhead, costing the company money, rather than a profit center, contributing to the success of the organization. She suggests dividing your employees into three categories and then evaluate where you spend the majority of your time and resources. Is it with your one Eagles, those are your top performers who fly and soar. You know that they are going to do well no matter what. Or is it with two, your Robins? These are folks who come to work and get the job done, but who don't rise to the top. They are steady workers who can add value. Or do you spend your time with three, turkeys? They are poor or marginal performers who need to get better or else. Unfortunately, they may be nice folks who no longer can keep up with the changing times or or are in wrong positions for their skills. So, how do you spend your time? With the eagles, with robins, or with turkeys? Many managers, perhaps including you, say a large share of their time goes to improving performance of their staff, and that's not good. Here's a smart moves tip. A better approach is to first attract, hire, and retain awesome people to begin with, not just warm bodies then spend most of your time encouraging the eagles to keep soaring and developing the robins to become eagles. If you do have a poor performer on your team, then quickly decide whether it's worth your time to salvage that person or help him or her to move on to a job that's a better fit. Remember, your time is your most valuable resource. Don't squander it. Manage it. Listeners, Do you know how to hire right and get the right results? Quickly build the right skills to manage the work, the people, and the priorities in your business with the effective manager. To find out more, contact me at Marcia M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Spend your time wisely.
1: You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability.
2: Next week's program is how to sell, serve, and stand out when millennials rule the world. You heard a lot about this group and how they are creating a new workplace. If you are in business and want to stay that way, you need to learn to play by a new set of rules. T. Scott Gross, the author of the management classic, Positively Outrageous Service, will answer these burning questions. Why does he say millennials may be the greatest generation? As consumers, what do they want from their shopping experience? And how must management respond to this workforce if they want to get the best from them? Tune in Wednesday, September 25th at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern. I'll end with my favorite saying. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who make it happen, those who let it happen, those who ask, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Call me now for a free consult at 972-380-9181 or email marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 Pacific, for the Business Edge with Marcia Idol, the Smart Moves Executive Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. Innovate, improve, ignite, or die. Make Smart Moves. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.